Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sitting Down with Sarah. Sitting down with me today is truly one of my most favorite human beings. She is the owner and founder of Frida Beauty Bar. She is intelligent, beautiful, so funny, so talented. She is the Kimber Levitt. <laughs> Kimber. That was quite the intro. Thank you. You're I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for taking time to sit down with me today. Well, all I have is time, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it so depressing in a, in a little way? <laughs> uh, yes. I bet you're just like aching to get back into the swing of things. Aching. I've started like 10 million projects, all of which are probably useless, but haven't finished, I don't think, one of them. So now I'm realizing it's a me problem, not a time problem. <laughs> I know all of those memes that talk about like, turns out that all of the things I said I didn't do because I didn't have the time. I just came on to. No, I'm just lazy. <laughs> but it's probably kind of nice to sit back and feel like, you, I can't do anything. The world is telling me I have to sit back and relax. Definitely. Definitely. It's finally like an excuse. I feel like any other time when I'm sitting around or when I'm not productive, I feel very, very anxious. Whereas right now I'm feeling like a lot more calm and content for the first time I think ever. So that is true. It's like an excuse to relax. Your sisters got me onto the Enneagram. I forget what number you are. Six, <laughs> the worst number. No, <laughs> tell me, tell me about six, like a personality six. Okay. So sixes are quite skeptical. Um, they take a while to be loyal, but once they're loyal, they are aggressively loyal. Like to a fault, no matter what, they will stand by your side. Like if you kill seven different people, like we will help you bury the bodies. Like psycho, psycho, but it takes a long time for us to get that way. Um, but for the most part, we're very skeptical, very paranoid, very leery, very cautious, very anxious. Yeah, that's, that's it. Unhealthy <laughs> I feel like there's so many great qualities. There are a few. <laughs> like um, entrepreneur, like you are such a go-getter. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Trying to become healthy. What's your Enneagram? Number? Oh, you're a three. Okay. So that's my second one. So threes are very motivated. Oprah Winfrey is a three. They're very, very um, like on the ball. In fact, I was looking at threes during um, Corona and threes are more anxious than anyone because they're like, oh, just like, I need to get back to work. Like, but I need, I need to do something like keep me busy. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Exactly. To work. Exactly. I won't stop. <laughs> yes. Hey, I am really excited to a let everybody know who you are. I'm actually a little bit um, jealous because your voice on this podcast is going to make everybody swoon. You have the greatest voice in the whole wide world. So for that in itself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm not getting anybody. Like, Kimber, oh, Kimber's voice is just like butter. It is. What? <laughs> I have never heard that before. I'm like, okay, amazing. Sex operator voice? Change of oh. career? That's opposite. Incredible. Okay, go on. We're launching your career right here. You're welcome. <laughs> but I want to maybe start off with you talking to us a little bit about Frida and tell us what Frida is and um, and then we'll go from there. Okay, so Frida is a medical spa. We focus mainly on injectables, but we also have medical facials and then we recently added a hair salon. I started it in 2017, July 2017, and then opened a second location at the end of 2018. And fast forward today, we have two spots and I think 18 employees as of right now, but mostly medical aesthetics. Which is truly unbelievable. You're basically saying in less than three years, I conquered one Frida Beauty Bar and then opened up another and you guys are booming. Like that doesn't happen for one business in 10 years for most people, let alone you have two and under three that are so highly successful. 
Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. So talk to us about um, where did Frida come from? Like at what point did you realize that this is what you wanted to do? So it was kind of an accident. I mean, when I was younger, I always did little entrepreneurial things. Like I started a hot dog cart when I was 23, I think, to put myself through nursing school. And I was always like selling bags and trinkets and bracelets when I was younger, like in grade school, always, always, always. But I never anticipated to start a medical spa. Um, However, I was living in the States. I moved back to Calgary in 2016. And I just noticed that all the medical spas, it sounds like such a superficial reason, but they were all just very clinical and ugly and they didn't have an aesthetic. And I just wanted to work in a pretty one. And that was my, like the only intention of starting it. So I found a tiny, tiny little space that fit myself. And then there was two other rooms and I just wanted to decorate it exactly how I wanted. I wanted to be able to control the aesthetic of everything from like the stationery to the wallpaper to the flooring. Like I just want it to be beautiful the minute you walk in. And um, so I started it and then I realized I had enough space for more employees. And I kind of, um, my clientele were starting to wait like a month, two months. So I ended up hiring a nurse to take a little bit of that load off of me. And then it kind of progressed from there. But again, it was almost on accident. I never expected to start a business from it. I just wanted to work somewhere beautiful. Did you know that you and Game wanted to at least be your own boss and be a business owner? Or was that also on accident? Actually, yes. I've always been somewhat of a rule breaker, I guess, is a way of putting it. Um, I always found like I could do something a different way or a better way and quite stubborn in that regard. And I really, really, and I'm, yeah, I really, really, really like creating my own rules and doing it my way. Um, I've always been that way. So I think I always did know that I wanted to work by myself, but I didn't, or sorry, I wanted to um, be my own boss. I didn't anticipate getting as many employees, but yeah, I did always want to be my own boss for sure. Yeah. Okay. So tell us where the name Frida came from. Because that's a powerful thing. Yes, and especially lately, it's been kind of trendy, which is cool. Um, So I knew I wanted to name after female, and I started looking up different females that I kind of identified with. And then I found Frida, and I was like, holy shit, Frida is such a badass in every way. And I love how she loved beauty, and people regarded her as beautiful, but in a really unorthodox way. Like, she had a unibrow, she had a mustache, like, she wasn't your typical beautiful, but she was still viewed as beautiful. And I think that aesthetics are becoming more that way. You don't have to be the prototype. Like, not everyone has to look like a Russian prostitute. Like, we all can have a unique beauty. And I feel like she really crushed it in delivering that message that you can be beautiful in your own way. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's so interesting because when you think about the world of cosmetics and injectables, like there is so much going on in the sense Mm -hmm. that, especially in your case, there is the behind the scenes getting everything up and running. And probably the the scene that people don't see is grinding, um, dealing with patients and clients and and all of that tough business. And then there's the awesome side where you get to alter yourself to, you know, look your very best and and be who you want to be. And just talk to me a little bit about these two different worlds because I think a lot of people just think the world mm-hmm. of injectables is so amazing and and all of those good things. But I really feel like mm-hmm. there's sort of a different layer to that as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I And I think that social media, I mean, it's great at capturing the good parts of injectable or um, medical aesthetics, but we tend to not advertise, yeah, the other the other side of that. And I feel like um, the other side of that is there like are a lot of girls who walk through our door and men too, but mostly females who walk through our door with these ginormous insecurities. And they have like also a lot of mental, like mental issues regarding how they look and a lot of dysmorphia. And I feel like doesn't matter how many syringes I put in their face, doesn't matter how many units of Botox I put in their face, I can't change their brain. And a lot of people, they prioritize their aesthetic and how they look before fixing what's inside. And that sounds really cliche, but it's 
Like I see it day in and day out. You cannot fix what's inside by fixing the outside, period. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. So then what do you do? So I'm, I'm sorry, what do I do in order to kind of combat with that? So, I mean, there's things, there's only so much I can do as far as like helping them inside. So I always try to, I always try to empower them as much as possible and really focus on like what their actual motive is. Like, is, is it to change everything from head to toe? Do you see yourself the way that you actually are? Um, but at the end of the day, I think the only way that they can really have a healthy relationship with how they look is if they get professional help, I think more than anything. Cause I would say, and there's actually statistically, I think it's seven to 9% of people um, in the world have some sort of dysmorphia in our practice. It's something like 16 to 17%. So we're seeing about double wow. of what the general population is. And so we see, I would say a couple times a week, we will see these clients. And again, we can only do so much. So sometimes we turn them away, but for the most part, we try to keep them in our clinic, foster relationships, get them to trust us, and also try to empower them as best as we can, but also encourage them to see a professional, I guess. Yeah. And that's heavy. Like that is that is mm-hmm. heavy business to be working with. And that's why a lot of, you know, other friends that I have who are injectors, they're like mentally, when you go in, you not only have a job to do, but then you're also counseling these people. And, and that's a ton. And that is like the behind the scenes stuff that nobody really even considers. Definitely, definitely. And And way more common than I ever anticipated. Yes, (laughs) which is, which brings me to the whole point of, um, then you have like addiction, like then you're dealing Mm -hmm. with, um, you can't ever make somebody look the way that they want to look. So then it's reoccurring. Mm -hmm. Totally. And it's, interesting like it's interesting that the ones who come to your clinic like if you do turn them away they will find another clinic and they'll put another six syringes like they will no matter what and they a lot of the time they don't care about the quality either like they're not and they also have a ginormous budget for this like there is no budget it doesn't matter if they haven't paid off any of their credit cards it doesn't matter if they're severely in debt like they will spend and spend and spend and spend and spend and it's hard because as someone who is ambitious and wants to make money, I know that these are our money makers. And that sounds really awful. So it's so hard to turn them away and know that like obviously your branding is going on their face, but but those people will spend even when they shouldn't. Yeah. Every single time. Any any girl, I would say guaranteed, any girl or male with actual body or facial dysmorphia will spend outside of their means. Wow. And then that sort of alters um, society's opinion of the world of injectables because we see these these people who have altered their face to the degree where they're unrecognizable and then it makes you afraid of it and you don't understand like that's not normal and you can actually have a very um, conservative look, but you get these people who abuse it. Definitely, definitely. And I always say, like, if you can, if you can't tell that someone has Botox or fillers, that's good filler. And that's good Botox. And you shouldn't be able to, for the most part, you shouldn't be able to. For sure. So yeah, definitely. I think it does skew people's image. Because yeah, those people that you see walking around. And, and I would also say something that I didn't know before is those people who are walking around with pretty inflated, over-injected faces, they know it and they like it and they like that attention, which I didn't know. Most of them, most of them are aware, which I thought that they're very unaware and they had no idea, but most of them are aware that they have that face. And they say that they get comments as well. Like I get comments. I know that my face looks fake and I'm okay with that. And they enjoy it. They like it, which is interesting. It is interesting. I don't know the psychology behind that. Because I would have assumed exactly what you said that like that they just genuinely thought that they looked like their best self and that they um, yeah. didn't that they looked natural. Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. No, most of them, most of them, no. They they can't see their face the same way other people can, but they know that they're over injected. Right. And they love it. Right. So, what would you say are the top myths that you get then for people coming in who are like afraid or who think some certain way that's not the reality of injectables? 
Ooh, okay, so that would be one of the top myths is if you're getting Botox and fillers, the people will recognize, I would say 90, 95% of the time they will not, not even your own boyfriend or your own husband will notice, um, <laughs> even if you have bruises all over your face. Um, so that I would say is myth number one is that people are going to know that you've had work done. Um, myth number two, I would say around cost. I feel like there's a lot of ambiguity around cost. I think that some people think it's way pricier than it actually is. When in fact, you can get Botox for 250 bucks every four months and it's, it's quite affordable. I mean, it ends up costing less than hair extensions. However, filler, I think that's where it adds up. I think that um, a lot of people don't realize how small a syringe actually is which is kind of devastating, even for myself. I put one syringe and I'm like, it's gone. And that was $700. <laughs> so I feel like um, that, I feel like is a little bit of a misconception is you can fit into a tablespoon, you can fit 15 syringes. So when you think of that for volume, that is not that much. Yes. And one thing that I would say that I found like Botox I really thought that if you put five units in my face, that my whole face would be frozen and I would, totally. I wouldn't be able to move. And I totally. have learned because I'm a Botox addict. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it truly takes so much more than you could even ever imagine. Like when oh I freeze my face, that my face yeah. doesn't even come out frozen. Like I'm so depressed. <laughs> yes. I know. Same. Well, and that's another thing. I would say nine times out of 10, when people walk into, walk into the clinic, they're like, I want a micro amount. I want a lot of movement because I don't want to be frozen. And every single time I like, I'm confident in saying every single time they're converted within two appointments, they're like, freeze it, like fucking freeze it. I don't care. Like, I don't want to move a muscle. I want it frozen. <laughs> Yeah, because I think the people that we see that have those really artificial, like, Nicole Kidman-like faces, that's a facelift every single time. That's rarely Botox. Like, someone is taking a scalpel, tying that skin as tight as they can, and suturing it back behind their ear. That is not Botox. And we don't know that from the from our point of view. We're like, that. that's four units of Botox, <laughs> and uh, we never again. <laughs> Yes. yes, exactly. <laughs> Done. Are there any other major myths that you can think of that... Major myths. One thing that we get a lot is Botox and filler, what the difference is. And in fact, even people that we train, because we, we have an academy here where we um, teach students how to inject Botox and fillers. And even them, after doing research, a lot of the time don't know the difference. So a lot of the time they'll say things like, how much Botox do you think that person has on their lips? And nine times out of 10, it is filler, not Botox. So what Botox does is it essentially paralyzes the muscle. Without that repetitive movement, you aren't going to get those folds, which we call wrinkles. With filler, we're going to volumize areas that have lost volume or else enhance areas that we want more volume in. So that's going to fill it up. Botox is just going to paralyze that muscle. Right. So that I think is common. And filler, would you say last longer? Yeah, definitely. So Botox, you're going to get about four months out of. And filler, depending on the area, you're going to get anywhere from six to 15 months, okay. depending on the area that you inject. You talked about Frida Academy. Tell me mm -hmm. the process of doing that. So not only do you have these two successful um, spaces, but you now have added on a Frida Academy. And what is that? Thank you again for pumping my tires. This is nice. Um, we added Frida Academy last year. So I noticed when I wanted training to become an injector, there wasn't anything that really catered to, to the style of learning that I like the most. I find that I am a very slow learner. Um, I think I need things repeated to me over and over and over and over again. And then I find them like, okay, I got it. Especially with the ADD, like that's a whole nother layer. So I wanted to create a course that had a ton of visuals, a ton of hands-on things that would really like captivate people, not just in the room learning, because I found that when I did that the first day of my training course, I think I retained 
2%. So in April of last year, we started an academy. It's made for nurses, doctors, um, or any other, any other medical professional that's allowed to inject filler or Botox. And it's a three-day course that's mostly hands-on learning. And we train other nurses how to be injectors, similar to kind of the style that we, or the approach that we like. Um, I feel like it's very much targeted to younger people because that's our clientele. So we teach people how to inject on that like 20 to 40 year old client more than anything. And we also have mentorship after that. So that was another thing I found that once I once I finished my course, it was just kind of like, okay, go free and figure it out and good luck and cross your fingers that you don't completely fuck up and you have no actual resources once you're done your course. So we offer lifetime mentorship. So if they have any questions after that point, anything at all, they want to send us a video, send us a picture, send us anything, then we'll answer any of their questions. So they're not kind of left high and dry. That's amazing because like you said, that is another thing that I I think we standing back don't understand is how dangerous that job can be. Yeah, definitely. A lot on the definitely. line. Definitely. And, and how little training there is, which I mean, I'm even like embarrassed to admit. I mean, my training course was three days, two days, sorry, two days, two days. And I'd worked with a plastic surgeon prior. So, I mean, that's where I go, got most of my, most of my education, but realistically anyone can go to a two day course, be done and inject the next day. So then that brings me to what are the qualities that you need to have? Because not everybody can do that. Everybody can take the course, yes. but not everybody can be good at it. Definitely. So I would say quality number one, you need to be creative or you need to have an aesthetic eye. So those people who are, who like love doing makeup or they're always painting or they're always creating, like that is your number one. I tell my nurses a lot of the time, like you are no longer a nurse. You are an artist with a nursing background. You would never expect like a tattoo artist who had no creative ability to all of a sudden get into the tattoo world. I feel like it's similar with injectables. You're creating faces. Like you need to have that aesthetic eye and you know if you have it, and I'll know after the end of the course if you have it or not. So I would say that is number one. Um, number two, you have to be patient, a patient person, because you will not be making a lot of money, <laughs> if any, for the first six months. And the first year, you're going to struggle. You're not going to make the same as you are in the hospital. And then after that, it can be advantageous. But if you are, you have to be patient because you, if you're in it for the money, you won't make money. And I think that's the same with anything in life. Like if you're doing it for the money, you won't, you'll never ever actually see the money. Yeah. Um, that's those, yeah, those are a couple, couple, I would say top characteristics. Um, I feel like people who are sick of nurse, sick of the hospital and they love pretty things. <laughs> those are the people who always do really well as injectors always crush it. <laughs> What about personality wise? Because I have also been oh, yeah. even just doctors where you're like, did you know mm -hmm. that you have to work with people when you became a doctor? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes. And it's shocking. Some of the people want to get into it. I'm like, why don't you just pursue something that you're naturally good at? And I am a huge, huge, huge believer in that. Um, Oprah Winfrey said it and everything Oprah Winfrey says is the truth, yes. obviously. Prophet but she Oprah said whatever <laughs> obviously. She said, Whatever you're good at inherently, that's what you you should pursue. Definitely agree with that. Like I would never go try to be an accountant. I'm way too ADD. I'm way too spacey for that. Like I would never get my work done. Even front desk. I've been front desk lately since COVID and I suck at it. <laughs> so like I would never do something like that. I'm way too distracted. So the same goes with injectables. Don't enter this field if you're not good at it naturally. And I think that as far as personality, you have to like people in some regard. Like you have to enjoy that conversational piece. Like it's definitely significantly easier for the people who are outgoing. You still can if you're shy. You still absolutely can, but it's going to take you three times as long to get a clientele. Um, the people who love networking, those people get a clientele, I would say, six times faster. Um, and you have to be a good listener because you might have a completely different vision for someone's face 
than what they have. And you have to be able to communicate because they might, like you might both have good ideas, but ultimately it's their faith and they get to decide whatever look they're going for and trying to achieve. So you absolutely have to be a good listener. Yeah. And one thing that I can think of, like going into that room and being so vulnerable with, you know, like there's nothing scarier than giving your face to somebody. No, I agree. I agree. To have the ability to make somebody feel like at ease and comfortable and trustworthy, like those are all Mm -hmm. things I really have sat there before and been like, actually, I'm just going to roll on out of this chair. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I'm not feeling the mutual trust here. (laughs) Totally. And you do, you always have to have that like opt out option. Yeah. Because like, maybe you're not like, there's certain clients that come to me and I'm like, I am not qualified. Like, (laughs) I'll be honest. When men come to me, I'm like, leave. I'm not going to do a good job in your face. Like go somewhere else. I'm telling you, I'm not going to do well. Like you're not going to like this. (laughs) Mind you, they probably won't notice because they're so not detail oriented. They wouldn't care. (laughs) What is the difference with like, what do you find with men that make you feel that way? Oh, I don't even know what to, I don't even know where to start. Like, cause they come in and they're like, I want anti-aging and all I want to do is give them like this beautiful high feminine cheekbone. And I'm like, no, they're not going to like that. <laughs> they're not going to like that. And also with Botox, like this is my personal opinion. I think that most men until they reach the age of like, and I, I know I have a different opinion than a lot of injectors until they reach the age of 40. I don't necessarily think that Botox or filler makes them look better. Like I think it might make them look the same and sometimes worse. And I think that when we smooth out men's face too much, they start, it starts to feminize them. Like they, when they look more like, that's why when they age, they start to look better because they become more masculine. They get like bags under their eyes are a little bit more gaunt. Like they're a little bit more chiseled. They don't have that baby fat. And as soon as we stick filler in there, we're doing the exact opposite we're feminizing their face instead of masculinizing their face. So I'm just not good at it. That's so interesting. And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, right. On a, on me, don't give me one tiny wrinkle on a man. Yeah. 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 You can work that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Right. Like I've never, it's very, very rare. I think I've seen a handful of times men where I'm like, okay, you look better after than you did before. Yeah. But every other time I'm like, mm, not so much, <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> not a bad. So then what would you say going into this line of work for you, what have you found have been your biggest strengths and your biggest weaknesses? Ooh, oh, biggest oh, strengths and weaknesses. Let's say on the injecting side, but then also being an entrepreneur and having your own business. Oof. Well, I mean, sort of an easy answer. So on the injecting side, I would say the easiest part for me, I've always been drawn to lips. That's my favorite. I don't know why. And I never get sick of them. Like I could do lips all day long. And I feel like for the most part, like when I don't do a good job, I know that I haven't done a good job. Like I know what they need. And sometimes like, okay, I didn't execute that. But I almost always know like, okay, she needs to fill her here, 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 here. That will be a balanced lip. Like this is what she needs. So I feel like that's one area that I excel. An area that I don't excel on um, areas that are hard for me. Men, men are very, 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 very hard for me to inject. Um, Botox actually is tricky for me. So doing both like for the forehead, I find that it's tricky to get that exact perfect forehead. And I think a big part is of why is because I don't get to see the results immediately. So it feels like it's more like mathematical. It's more of like an analytical brain rather than a creative brain. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, I am hopefully, you know, like cross my fingers, but I won't know until two weeks. So I feel like that's a challenge for me. Um, I feel like on the business end, I feel like I can answer that question even easier on the business end, my strengths and weaknesses strengths um, would be that I love working. Um, and I kind of intimated earlier that I, have never felt like I was naturally very smart. Like I was never, nothing, like I feel like nothing has come to me naturally in my life, Um, but I am a very, very hard worker. So I feel like it takes me three times longer to do anything, like 
anything, any project than it does anyone else. But I will put in those three hours. I'll put in those six hours. I'll put in those 12 hours. Like I'll work till midnight. I'll work till four in the morning. Um, that's never bothered me. And I've always felt like even in school, I was always a, um, I was always an honorable student, but I remember studying with my friends. They would go home and go to bed and I'd study for like another six hours. Like, I don't know why it just takes me a little bit longer to catch on to things. And so I feel like just having a lot of perseverance and never giving up, like ever, even when I'm told no, like a million times, like I just will never, ever, ever, ever give up. I feel like that has helped me a lot in my life. Um, weaknesses, I would say number one is disorganization. For sure. For sure. Like, I feel like I... Which, which I've lucked out because I found a lot of people. I finally just realized like, this is something I'll probably never be good at. So I just need to hire people. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I had like my Maddie and Kayla, they both have been working for me. Well, Maddie since the beginning and Kayla for two weeks, not two, two years. And they keep all my shit in line. And like, I absolutely like, and I know this is a cliche thing that people will say, but I absolutely would not in any capacity be where I am without them because like they make sure that this whole operation is running. Whereas I like get distracted and I want to like build a new business card or like, I don't know, go watch some video that's irrelevant. Like I think that has been my biggest weakness and they've helped with that. I think significantly. Yeah. I remember talking with you and another friend of ours who owns a business and you guys were saying the number one thing is finding that core group of ladies and of um, employees who you trust and who do their job and all those things. But it's really hard to find them, like to find that fit, that they love their job, you love it. So what Mm -hmm. would you tell Mm -hmm. somebody who's starting out, like how do you find that person? Okay. Number one, which has helped me and I wish I would have known this earlier and I've become very obsessed with. I mean, this is what we first talked about um, before we even get into got into the interview is personality tests. And I feel like I wouldn't be half as obsessed with them as I am unless I had a business. I And, and now I don't even necessarily have to get them to take a personality test because I kind of know right off, like, okay, this is this is what you're good at. This is the role you should be in. But I use the one that's my all-time favorite is DISC personality test. It's four different personalities. And so often, so, so often, and this even happened with myself, people are great employees, but they're in the wrong role. Like, and I cannot say that enough. Like, even Maddie, like, who has been with me since the very, very beginning, like, I changed her role. And all of a sudden it was like night and day. I was like, holy shit, like this is where you should have been from the very beginning. It was like she became like a completely different employee because like she she should she should be in a role like that. So like for instance, the S is a very um is a very predictable. They love routine, they're very reliable, um, they don't talk a lot, they're really focused on like relationships. Um they should always be in a role that's like front desk or administration. Like they're excellent because they love those repetitive tasks. Someone like an I, which is probably both you and I, we should be in like an interviewing or like a talking or an engaging or like person like in, in roles like that. That's where we really, really succeed because it's very um, captivating for us. So we don't get as distracted and we're usually really good with people and things like that. So I feel like, getting to know what the personality is when you interview them and then placing them in the right role. I feel like that is key for sure. That's life-changing because truly I don't think many um, business owners or employers even have figured that out. Like how many times do they Mm -hmm. go through um, people over and over? And it's like really sad because they're like, Oh, I really Mm -hmm. like you and I saw the potential in you, but you're not a good fit. Whereas you're totally. saying, you can have that and you can have that relationship, but move it around. Totally, totally. Do that first. Like do the personality first. Well, because yeah. we hired a, can I say this over the side? I probably won't listen. We hired an I for front desk. Oh my God, Sarah. Awful. 
And I was like, that is how I would be if I was working front desk. She was amazing. Like the clients loved her, loved her. Like they always were like, oh my God, like we're so happy she's here because she was so chatty. She wouldn't get any of her work done. Yeah. Like it would be 9 p.m. and she would have to stay there till like 11 at night just to finish her tasks because she would get so distracted. And I was like, you would be awesome in sales, but holy shit, you are not made for front desk. Okay. At all. That is the hardest thing. And here I think is the mind blowing part is that we don't even know who we are. Like how many times totally. have you done something totally. where you're like, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to crush this. Yeah. This is my calling in life. And then two weeks later, yeah. you're like, whoa, I hate whoa. this. I suck at this. Never again. It's like every single job I've ever had until this one. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work in the emergency room. Yeah, that's great. Like, I'm going to be so badass. I'm going to save lives. I'm like, I don't want to pull my hair out. <laughs> I'm so bad at this way. But <laughs> I, I truly have come to know that I, I, it's about the experience for me. Like, I've gotten, I've had yeah. to start and stop so many things that I've had to make myself feel better by saying, Sarah, you're like, it's not about the un- outcome. Um, it's like about the experience. <laughs> I'm so genius. I am gonna tell myself the same thing. Yeah. That's why you should own your own business because you get to change your mind whenever you want. You're like, you know, I'm sick of doing this. I'm gonna make someone else on my team do it and I'm gonna yeah. do something different. <laughs> well, that's what eyes eyes love like they love change so much. So they're so good in roles where you can constantly change. Whereas S's hate change. If you throw a curveball at them, they're like stressing about it for months yep. months so like that's that's the best quality of an eye right yeah. his eyes love that they love like being stimulated constantly and then i would say on the negative side of an eye because you're nailing it for me is fulfillment sure. like you kind for of sure. start to feel like why is nothing fulfilling for me i gave that a shot yep. that didn't work yeah but don't you feel like it's fulfilling in the beginning totally yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is it. I found it. I found it. And you get so obsessed. Like, eyes are the ones who come in and they're like, I found a new chapstick. It's going to change your life. <laughs> like, you don't even understand. And then the next thing they come in, they're like, I found a new chapstick. The old one's shit. Sorry of my life. Same. I'm like, Same, is but you're going somewhere, or <laughs> I really meant it in the moment. <laughs> and we always do. Hold we on. always, 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 always do. Always do. Like it is never phony. We really believe that that chapstick changed our life. Yeah, and it like, did. It did. For about two weeks. It did change. <laughs> <laughs> but the I, the I stands for influential. So they're really good at influencing people. Like all of a sudden, every single one of your friends owns the same shitty chapstick. Yeah. <laughs> And so we've, moved on. <laughs> we've moved on from that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so then talk to me about the community of injecting. So talking about influencing, um, mm. living in a place like Calgary, there are lots of other businesses out there who do the same thing. Is that... Um, is that tough or is there like this tight knit community where people come together or is it very individual? How does that work? Um, it's gone both ways. So when I first entered into the community in Calgary, I was very intimidated. Um, and there were a couple of people who kind of like reached out and were great at just like integrating me into it. Um, I would say 50, 50, I feel like half of, the people in this community are very, very opening and very like, I go for drinks with some of them all the time. And it's nice because we can swap ideas. We go to conferences together. You really like get to know people. And I feel like it progresses your learning so much because like who better to learn from than someone who's at another clinic seeing completely different things. Um, and on the other hand, I feel like it's very, very, very competitive because you feel like you're trying to go after this exact same clientele. So I feel like, yeah, it can, it can definitely go both ways. And I hope that the community changes a little bit because I think that if we're all on the same page, that we can just grow overall as injectors. And I feel like in Calgary, for instance, there's 1.2 million people 
there are enough clients to go around and then some, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And then it just brings me to forget the injecting side, but like women, we have such a hard time supporting Mm -hmm. one another and like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. up. We just want to tear everybody down. So not Mm -hmm. only are Mm -hmm. you in that world. Mm-hmm, definitely. Exactly. And most, most injectors are females. And I find that females, myself included, we create stories and then we forget to communicate whatever that story is that we created in our heads. Like think about the times you've done it with your husband or I've done it with my boyfriend where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure I just saw them check out a girl. And then you find out, no, they were actually looking at the TV behind the girl trying to catch the sports. You know what I mean? Like, but you create the story that you believe is definitely true. Like it's definitely true. Like this time it's a true story. And instead of communicating it to that person, you just hold it inside and then you end up resenting each other. And I feel like sometimes like I've had clients who, or, sorry, other clinics come to me, like friends of mine that had said, hey, a client told me this, this, and this. And I was like, that was absolutely not the story. This is the real story. And then you're like, oh, thank God that we actually communicated that because we could have really created some resentment based on a story that wasn't even true. Yeah. And that's what I love about you and Frida. Like you are constantly... Um posting and sharing about other injectors who have nothing to do with Frida, who don't make you any money. They are just off doing their own thing, whether you're friends with them, whether, you know, they came to Frida Academy, but like they are out of your wing and you are promoting them. And that is so rare. And I love to see it. Thank you. Thank you. And I, like, I, I'm trying to be better at that for sure, because I think so often we get in our own lane and we forget about like anything else that's going on. So thank you. And I think I need to make even more of an effort to be like, okay, Kimber, like they aren't the enemy. Like we are all like, I don't know. I, I, I think that humans like, and girls, since we're speaking about girls, I think we're so much more similar than we think we are. Mm-hmm. Right. And we always just get nervous that like, oh my gosh, so-and-so hates me. So-and-so hates me. They probably don't. They probably don't. They probably don't give a fuck. They probably don't think about you that often. Totally. It's purely our own insecurity. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like I can think of three people right now. I'm like, they probably hate me. No, they probably don't. (laughs) They probably don't even know your name. I don't even (laughs) know the person. doesn't know who you are, Kimber. (laughs) No, everybody does know. They all love you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. But then it's like that fine line though of the fact that you are a business owner. So like, yes, the fine line of I support you and I'm going to put that out there. But like you said at the beginning, you're all vying for the same clientele. So I hear what you're saying. It's like, yes, Mm -hmm. it's nice to do that, but it's not like you can spend every day promoting everybody else. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so tell me, you have this successful thing going. What do you see is Frida's future? Ah, Frida's future. I hope, I hope that the Academy is our future more than anything. I really, really want to turn this into like 50% training facility and then the other 50% is clientele. So that would be my number one goal is to really kind of explode the Academy and teach every nurse in all of Alberta, like that would be my dream is that every nurse was coming to Frida Academy. Um, and then number two, I do want another location, um, probably a couple of other locations. Edmonton would be number one and then possibly Saskatchewan, um, maybe venture into BC um, and then potentially franchise. But if I franchised, like I would need, speaking of organizations, I would need some major help. So if I find the right person to help me with that, then I will franchise. But that might be a pipe dream. I'd say I'll be that person, but that is my biggest okay. week too. So I will... <laughs> I will be tell here. that person what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep my eyes open for you. Yes. We'll network to find that person. Yes. I got you back. <laughs> what would you say to somebody who is sitting here thinking, um, I I want to be an injector. So they haven't gone to nursing school yet. They they look at that side of things. They feel like I love makeup. I'm creative. That looks amazing. Mm-hmm. 
what would you say to that person? I would say, number one, if you can shadow an injector, that way you don't have to spend money initially to make sure that like for sure this is a career path. Number two, make sure that it's a career path because you kind of have to invest everything into it. Like everything. So you want to make sure it's not just a side hustle. It's very rare that people who do it as a side hustle that it works out. It usually has to be your main hustle. Um, number three, I would say take a course locally. So like even if you if you live in BC, like honestly, go to Petita. That's a great course out in Vancouver. I wouldn't even say to go to come to us because you want to do something locally because it's 10 times easier to find a job because most of these job postings are not posted. They're all internal. Like I know three people that are hiring right now. So like when you meet people within that industry, within your own community, it's so much easier to get started. So if you live in Calgary, do a Calgary course. If you live in Vancouver, do a Vancouver course. If it's within the same province, like I know most of, like I know a lot of the clinics and the reps and everything in Edmonton all the way down to Lethbridge. So within the same province is fine, but do something locally so you have kind of a mentor after that you can actually feel like you can reach out to that can be helpful and not only your career, but helpful in obtaining a career, I guess. Uh, I think that like that is mind blowing to me because I know if so many people are like, oh, I need to go to Toronto and I need to go to Vancouver yeah. and, and do this. And it's like that's such good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's def- what I would recommend to anyone. Do you have to be a nurse to be an injector? You can be a nurse, physician, any type of surgeon, um, and then also a, a respiratory therapist. And LPNs can, but they need a physician in the building at all times. So if they apply, it's a little bit trickier to get a job, I'll be honest, as an LPN. But if you have a connection and you know a clinic that has a doctor that is there 24-7, then that would be a great option for you. Okay. Kimra, this is so helpful. All of these things. Thank you. Good, good, good. Thank you. If you could leave one last thing that you would say, um, just about whether it be your experience um, with injecting, whether it be your experience with Frida itself, what is something that you would want to leave with the listeners who are thinking about working in injectables, who are thinking about getting it? What is something that, that you kind of like to get out to the world? I would say, and this goes to people in general, but I feel like as an injector especially, is you have to learn to drop your ego, like number one. And like when I say that, I mean it because you will fail. Like especially the nurses who have been doing it for, they have been working as a nurse for 15 years and they're finally entering into this, into this industry. You're not going to be good in the beginning. Like, I looked my first year, and I look at all the shitty lips that I did. Like, you just have to admit to yourself, like, I am not going to be great, and that's okay. But the only way that you can be teachable and grow is to admit, like, even clients still, if I do a bad job, I'm like, ugh, didn't do the best, come back in two weeks. But, like, at least they know, like, I can trust this girl. She will own up to it when she fucks up. So I would say, like, number one is just being able to, like, really, really, really humble yourself and know that, like, and I think that's just in life. Like, I think about all the times with Frida, like, I could list off 25 things right now, like, huge failures, not little ones, like, huge ones, not only with Frida, but, like, just in my lifetime where you can't, you can't, I don't know, like, I feel like you can't ignore that. You just have to be like, okay, I fucked up. Why did I fuck up? What can I learn from it? I guess more than anything. Yeah. That would be the number one. Trial and error. Mm-hmm. Definitely. With error, error, error. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because like you even look at people like, I don't know, I feel like as, I don't know if it's as a female, but we have this like, I think it's more for females. We have this expectation to be perfect. And like the way that like, we're not allowed to have wrinkles, but men are right. Like there's case in points, like in every way we're expected to be perfect. And we always try to like hide every fuck up that we have because we're so ashamed of it. And I think that's like a really, really dangerous culture to be ashamed of your mistakes because everyone, like everyone is Oprah Winfrey has made huge mistakes. Like Oprah Winfrey, I mean, I'm pretty sure before she started, like, did she not, was she not living in like the ghetto and got pregnant at 17 or something nuts? Like every single person fucks up like 
ginormous fuck ups. And I think just being able to own up to it, because I think we relate more than anything to each other when we can admit to failures, I guess. Totally. Okay. So I thought that was my last point, but this is my last point. How do you um, work in an environment that creates perfection on some level Mm -hmm. and not get sucked into that yourself? Oh, you do. You do get sucked in. Um, and, and everyone does. I think just having people on the outside world, like having people who are outside of it to kind of like check in with, like making sure that your whole world isn't aesthetic or medical aesthetic or isn't plastic surgery, like having diverse friends. And I feel like my friends and family do that for me. Like even two summers ago and my face was one of those faces that was probably going to explode. And my sister Kelsey was like, Hey, Kimber, your bottom lip is humongous. I was like, oh, thank you for checking in with me and bringing me back to reality. Totally. So I think just having those people. Oh, I love that. And that's tough. That's tough to reflect on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, no, definitely. And you mentioned this earlier, but like that's probably because something goes on between, like within us and mm-hmm. we're overcompensating for some reason. And so to check in, mm-hmm. center yourself and then carry on. Definitely, definitely. Okay, I love you so much. Thank you for taking time. Thank you so, so, so much. Sorry for the interruptions. It's just life of an eye, so. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like next time we need to do like a a sister table here and we'll have you and your sisters and we'll just talk about all the things and laugh and have a good time. Yes, 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 yes. Definitely. Okay, well, thank, hey, thank you. So you much. Thank you. Everybody who is in the market for any injectables, we're going to send them to Frida Beauty Bar and they will not yeah. be disappointed. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Okay. okay. See you.